4: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Old Lady Speaks on Black and White and Red all over. This is episode number eight. The Episode where I think the jersey number is rather obvious, and that would be a Maori. So, congratulations to a You are <laughs> No, this is, uh, I I think we can all agree. We are all
3: now staging a coup to dislodge Danny (laughs) as leader of this (laughs) podcast.
0: This will be the shortest podcast that we've ever recorded. It's the Claudio Marchesio episode, and might I just add that Mr. Marchesio is looking awfully fit in his retirement days, so he is adhering to the no days off policy, even though he's no longer a professional footballer. Anyway, we've got the usual crew here with Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam. How you doing, guys? We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks.
1: Hello there. And uh, when doesn't Marquisio look fit? I mean, really. <laughs>
3: He's so good and looking. And those eyes, man.
0: <laughs> the man hasn't aged. And <laughs> Sergio Romero. <laughs> Hello, Sergio.
3: Happy to be here, man. It's
2: so always. late.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to just hold up my legal pad of notes that I have for each episode to show the guys what our first topic is. It's pretty easy to see that, hey, guys, Juve sucks. And so... <laughs> We are, as Sergio mentioned in his uh, his grab bag this week, 180 minutes. And if you gave Juventus another 90 minutes uh, against Napoli in the Coppa Italia final, they probably still wouldn't have scored a goal. So, boy, where to begin? This team is two games into the post-coronavirus shutdown, and oh, they're not looking good, are they?
3: <laughs> I mean, no, but I mean, there's who has looked good from an attacking standpoint at out of the 3 games that have been played so far i mean we're talking about i as as awful as yesterday was to watch we're also talking about teams that are essentially at first preseason friendly levels of fitness so It's incredibly disingenuous, I think, to be to be talking about this game as if it's a harbinger of ultimate doom, because no one is is anywhere close to being ready for to be physically to be playing games that actually count for something. The game fit the exact pattern at Milan uh, of the Milan game: excellent, excellent first thirty minutes for Juve, and then they just wasted away, partly because. I mentioned this in my game recap, towards the end, Sadi, a a main part of Sadi's system is high press, hard press all the time. You can only do that so much, even when you're at mid season fitness levels. And again, at this, at, at the level that these guys are, it's, they're gonna, they're gonna fall over after 45 minutes. That's just how it is. It, it didn't look great. Neither one of these games has looked great. But I think it's incredibly, it's not right to look at this and say, this is a, you know, the, the, the season is over. We're not going to be, you know, Lazio will run past us, all this other stuff, because no one is at, the, at a good level right now. It's impossible to judge.
1: Yeah, so before I give my, uh, I agree with most of what Sam said, uh, disagree with some of it, but before I get to that, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Marcus, Marcus Rashford of Manchester United for, you know, his really great work he's done with with the charity there in, uh, in Manchester, and it, I think it's a national charity actually in the UK, for getting uh, hot meals to children uh, in poverty and just fighting child poverty in general. Obviously, it's not related to Juventus, but I thought, you know, that's, some things transcend football, and personally, you know, I work for a nonprofit, so I kind of have a, you know, personal stake in that one. Yeah, shout out to Marcus there, and hey, if you ever need any uh, help there, any consulting, Marcus, uh, you know, hit me up if you're for some reason you're listening to this. Now, now I work know, for a nonprofit. Now we
0: know why you wanted to try out Marcus <laughs> after. you want to you want to no. get a job out
1: of it. <laughs> no, 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 I could, I could, but um, really great work though by uh, by Rashford there. About what Sam said, well, you know, it's kind of same old same old with juventus again and you know i kind of go back and forth with, with what you said about just like okay the team is it's essentially a preseason sort of state of fitness and state of being i think i mentioned this either last episode or the episode before this i forget but indeed i i i sounded that kind of like alarm or that kind of concern of like well just because of how strange all of this is and the period we're in right now it does kind of feel like a preseason because technically i mean We've had, what is it, three months off? So, I mean, that's that's twice the preseason, technically, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that just objectively speaking, that makes sense. But I think the issue here is that if you if you showed this game to someone, to anyone, or, well, if you showed it to, like, a Juventus fan and you didn't put a date on this and you didn't say if this was pre- or post-COVID and, you know, this person watching it didn't know if it was pre- or post-COVID, honestly – I hate to say this but honestly I think that person would struggle to see if there was a difference between <laughs> pre and post covid events because this is really much of the same that we've seen uh, before you know before the coronavirus outbreak which you know is well concerning a but b I mean I find it hard to then say well or uh, let me backtrack a little I find it hard to, to attribute the form or the essay's performance to to COVID-related, you know, rustiness or uh, lack of fitness or match sharpness. Because it's just, it, it really is much of the same as, as we've seen from before the break. I mean, this, this performance was really quite akin to the performance against Lyon in the Champions League and in that loss, except for really, I mean, I thought, like you said, and I agree there, first 30 minutes or so were really quite good. I thought Napoli were actually very poor in that period. I mean, they could barely string together passes, and especially on a the counterattack, they really didn't do very much. They, couldn't, they would have, like, one pass out, another pass out, and then it would just kind of, like, there will be a miscommunication and then, you know, a pass behind a player or just too strong uh, in front of the player. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. They were poor, but then, you know, after that, it was just, uh, you know, it was just a lack of urgency, a lack of attacking incision really and that yeah i mean again that is really much of the same so yeah not much hope for me here i'm I'm happy this got brought up because usually i mean in, in general i think we both
2: i think we all agree on kind of like the topics when we talk about in the podcast but i'm very happy that this came up because for the first time i think we i disagree with with sam's take there that you know, it's a lot due to match fitness. I think a lot of it has to do with match fitness. It has been a, a long layup, I get that. But there's a huge difference between, in my opinion, between match fitness and being sharp and kind of being in the flow of things to what we saw in the past couple of weeks, because in the past couple of games. Because I think it's a lot more about a team that today, I cannot really point a finger and say, oh, they play this way. They have a style. They whenever I face them, I know what I'm getting. This team doesn't play anything. I mean, when I did say in the article they had 180 minutes to score, and really you could have given them another 90 and they wouldn't have. I mean it just because it's not about so much about sharpness, it's just about not having a plan. If a team just does as Napoli did in the final, or as Asimaran did after they went uh, 10 men down and just packs their goal with every single body available. This team has no recourse against that. They have no imagination. They have no creativity. They have no, no flair, no nothing. And that, to me, is an egregious sin just because of how much attacking talent this team has. At some point, listen, you have a Cristiano Ronaldo, you have a Paulo Di Valle, you have a Douglas Esposito. I know it's Mauricio Sarri's system takes time, and it's a demanding system, and I get it. But if you can't do something with that amount, with that embarrassment of riches of attacking players, at some point you have to look at the coach and say, listen, I know this isn't a squad, you know, tailor-made for your system. We all know that. but." not a bad squad here I mean this is not a bad team and it's a team that in my opinion is constantly regressing with a couple of flashes here and there like Chuck said it's more of the same like we're not seeing a particular improvement and while we continue to wait for this you know supposed improvement down the line Juventus has now lost two out of the four possible trophies that they can win this season so it's going to be interesting for me to see how I, whenever the season is done, and if the very real possibility that Juventus wins nothing this year, how are we going to handle that as a club? How is the organization going to handle it? Are they going to allow Sarri to keep building his system until he eventually gets somewhere? or? They're gonna say, "Listen, this is Japan. We win trophies here, and we won nothing. And looked, for the most part, pretty bad doing so." So yeah, I I think it's a lot more of the same of what we've seen, and it's just another failure in the the Mauricio Saria. Yeah,
1: and I'm glad you brought that up. Just in terms of the lack of identity, completely agree on that one. And I think that is the most concerning thing—a lack of identity. For instance, you know, if if a team plays poorly but I see what they're trying to do and I see the idea there and I see the concepts and I see just the general, just like, okay, what, what did the coach tell the players before the game in terms of, okay, we want to try to do this, this and that, or attack this area of the page. If I can see that, but you know, if we lost or something, okay. Like, fair enough, we lost, but then I can see there's an idea, there's a concept, there's an identity. And you know, Tim Vickery talks about this. I, I know I idolize him, so <laughs> I mention, mention him all the time.
0: What? But- you mentioned Tim Vickery?
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's who had
3: of- Who had this, this timestamp in the pool? <laughs> 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 we're,
0: we're, waiting, big- we're waiting for you to go to your quote book next year. <laughs>
1: you know that should become a bingo game either a my quote. the the old lady speaks
0: drinking game starring Chuck's (laughs) usual references
1: either a a a quote or b when i mentioned tim Bickery. that should that's right that should start it
0: start it up commenters you guys will be driving this bus sergio has his raul humanist juventus bus and now our listeners will have the the Chuck's drinking game bus to uh Oh, yeah,
1: provide. man. Uh, gin tonic, of course. you know <laughs> and, uh, Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Bond only takes that. So, so yeah. as you were saying, Jim Pickery. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sorry, I have to put on my uh, Bond identity. Uh, I was actually just listening to an audiobook. I listened to the audiobooks of the James Bond book. So, if anybody cares, I'm listening to Thund- Thunderball right now. So, the name's Bond, James Bond. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so Tim Gregory talks about that, you know, just like a lack of identity. I, I remember he always talked about Chile before, yeah, before Marcelo Bielsa, uh, before he came to the, or took charge of Chile. He mentioned that kind of as a, I guess, a critical juncture where it was like before that they just didn't really, you know, who were Chile? Like who, what, what was the the, the team? Like, you know, yeah, who, who, what is their identity? And then after Bielsa, everybody knows what Chile does. They're fast, they're intense, they, they flood forward in waves and waves of players with their attack. Three men in defense, usually I think that's still sort of in place. And high, in, high intensity wing play, you know, just kind of small players with low center of gravity and, you know, that, that type of scene. So, like, you know, we know what we're getting with Chile. But yeah, with Juventus, I mean... I don't know. Do we? <laughs> Do we know that? <laughs> I I personally don't. And you know, I was reading in some article today that you know throughout the infamous C word crisis, Juventus is in crisis. And you know, I I always think, all right, all right, all right, let's call calm down, you know. But you know, it's yeah. I mean, it's not particularly optimistic. And I mean, we're already a pessimistic bunch, and you know, this doesn't help.
3: I mean, no, I, I I agree that there was a lot of waywardness going on, especially against two packed-in defenses that played very – that credit has to be given to both Milan and Napoli. Their, their defenses played fantastically. First off, I think that we're going to have to be keeping looking out for – for what might develop when it comes to Saudi, because I don't see him being let go this year, if for nothing else than post COVID economics, because Juventus is not going to be wanting to pay two coaches, pay out the rest of Saudi's salary while replacing him at the same time, given the the drop in revenue that that's come from that. I think that a lot of it is also, you know, Saudi talked a lot about the individual players and, and, and the individual talents in the end, at the end of, at the end of his press conference yesterday and you know i, I there are points where i want, where i wonder can you be talking about the coach or do you have to start talking about the players cristiano ronaldo was marked out of the game by koulibaly i mean koulibaly probably added about 30 million to his transfer fee yesterday on that game alone because he was everywhere and ronaldo couldn't get absolutely couldn't get a single look without him being in his back pocket you know dibala dibala did okay as well as he could trying to connect the lines in that kind of free roaming forward position. He was also, he also looked blasted. He looked physically gassed. How is he standing up after all of the COVID stuff? And then he played 90 full minutes in twice in a week. Um, I, I, I think that this is a, as much players as it is coach in this particular instance, because I just think, I think it's way t- I think it's way too early in this restart to start looking to to start looking into 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 the tactics and I mean he he made tactical mistakes. Let's be real about that. First off, he needs to ease up on the press early on in the game and save their legs. Also, his subs were all over the place. Throwing people from one slot in the lineup to the other. And also, I mean the the Miralem Pjanic sub in hindsight bad move you know you're looking at a you're looking at a situation where penalties are coming especially right after the full time whistle and you take off your third penalty taker and i know pianic wasn't taking the game by the scruff of the neck but he wasn't playing he wasn't awful defensively he was actually playing fairly well if you look at the stats but yeah i, I just i can't bring myself to to start screaming and wailing about about Saudi. At this point, with such with with such a small sample size to go off of after this restart, because you know like you said and, and I know Sergio, like you said the 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 flashes aren't enough. I agree with you in that case, but the last time we saw them before the the shutdown, we saw a really big flash, and a lot of that I think had to do with with some personnel decisions and Bentancour finally taking over as Regista in that game. That's got to be something that happens, especially as Aaron Ramsey gets healthy again. But I, I, I just – I think it's too early for this. I can't, I can't see it as, as as real yet when we've only played two games after three months off.
2: I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on one thing, and that is there's definitely – there definitely has to be. Some blame uh, put on the players. I mean, outside of of Gianluigi Buffon, who I mean, he might play into his fifty. I know, like the guy's still. I mean, he's still going. He's still great. But outside of him, outside of Matthijs de Ligt, I'm sorry. How can you help me out with the pronunciation here, Chucks? <laughs> but,
1: but of course, it's a Matthijs de Ligt.
2: Thank you. I mean, outside of, of him, of Buffon, you know,
3: Quadrado played oh, very. Guadrado played well too.
2: I think the battle played play really well. And Danilo, uh, you know, he did miss his PK horribly. But, I mean, when he came in, he didn't play badly. Like, there's a couple of players that, that you can make the argument are not playing terribly. I get that. But at the same time, you know, this is such an interesting concept because it's so hard to really come at a conclusion of the Sarriera just because of how uncommon it has been. But for example, you can say, has any player outside of, I don't know, maybe Dybala has improved under him as opposed against Max Allegri's last year? I don't think so. And even Dybala, when you look at the stats, you could say it's not that he improved, it's just that kind of like he came back to his normal after a down season in Allegri's last year. I don't know if he's improved in play. I don't know if Bernadeschi is not a better player. Uh, Miriam Pianic is not a better player. Cristiano Ronaldo is not a better player than Wise when, when Sarri came in. So you really have to say, is like this project, number one, successful so far? It hasn't. And number two, sustainable. Because this is a team that does not have the time to, to figure out whether or not this is the right. You have a team that essentially all... All your better players at, at their peak right now or they're coming out of their peak. You have a lot of veteran guys who should be, I mean, this is what you're going to get from them. You have a, guys like Blazema the guys like Kanich, guys like Ronaldo. They are who they are. And they're not going to get better. So if this system is not working right now, when is it going to work? Is it going to work in a couple years? Is it going to work in three years? Like, they infamously said, you know, this is a three year prop uh, this is a three year plan, I think they said after the Leon defeat. Well, awesome in three years, we don't have like a bunch of these guys. Like we don't have Kielini most likely. We don't have uh, Ronaldo most likely. Pianic is gonna be, you know, a veteran guy probably after his defeat. So are we rebuilding? Are we doing a big plan? Are we you know, really the thing that upsets me the most is it seems like there's no cohesive idea from the board to the team, to the squad, to the manager, that you can say, this is going to work. I don't think this is going to work. I don't know if it's Sari's fault. I don't know if it's Player's fault. But I don't, you know, I just can't see this idea as it's currently structured working.
3: But my question to you is this, Sergio. Do you really think that we would be doing better under Allegri right now? I mean, you talked about lack of identity. There was zero identity in this team under Max Allegri by the end of last season. I mean, he, the man quite literally ran through 38 different starting lineups in Serie A last year over the entire season. He didn't play the same lineup twice. And last season was the only season out of the, the five that he he had with Juventus where he started, the, where he ended the season in the same formation that he started it. That there wasn't any identity there either. I, I mean, first off, Paulo Dybala would be playing in England right now if Max Allegri was still the coach, and and second, I don't see much in the way of an improvement. I, I don't see how things would be better right now under Allegri than they are under Sadi. I, I think that's that's a great question, and I think that's a little
2: bit. We didn't really have a podcast back then, but there was some of the ideas that were being thrown around when Allegri was, well, I don't know if fired or if he was signed, or I don't really know the the agreement it was. But when he left the club, that was the question, right? It's not about just, you know, do we take Allegri out? It's who comes in, who's going to improve this team? And I agree with you. I don't know. Allegri's last year was not great. I mean, there was not an identity either. But... The thing is, I think they did what you should never do, in my opinion, and that is a half-measure. They decided to take Allegri out of the line, out of Juventus, and then bring Sarri in without building a squad tailored, tailored for Mauricio Sari's style. So they kind of decided, well, we're going to take the coach out, bring in this coach, and then just let him do his thing without the things he needs to succeed. They built a squad that was fundamentally flawed to play the style that Mauricio Sarri likes to play. And that, that's kind of like really my main concern. They're taking half measures, here, half measures there. They do not have a consistent view of what this thing should be other than, hey, let's buy Cristiano Ronaldo mm-hmm. and sell a bunch of t-shirts and you know, get a lot of Instagram followers and we'll figure it out. Like it doesn't seem from a football perspective I don't see a, a cohesive plan. That that would be my main concern. And like you said, I mean, I don't know if I also don't think that sorry will be out of there this year, by the way. But you know, it doesn't seem promising the direction this club's taking.
0: For me, it's it comes down to and and we had a commenter after the game say it's like, you know, Juventus has bought these these Talented players, you know, like a Ramsey or a Rabio, and uh, and 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 the like. And my my reply to it was like, you know, they they could be talented all they want, but Sarri is obviously somebody who has a very succinct style that he wants to play. And as we've seen, he's tried different formations, but he still wants to play the same kind of way. So you have those players as talented as they may be they don't necessarily fit what he wants to do. I mean, I don't know how much Saudi was looking forward to somebody like Blaise Matuidi being in a, in the starting lineup so much because obviously you look at Matuidi's skill set and that's, you know, outside of the work rate and the the defense that he brings to the table, he's not exactly the finest... <laughs> The finest in terms of you know keeping possession and passing, and his his first touch can be rather inconsistent and all that. And it's just we we've mentioned the midfield so much, but at the same time, you know it's hard not to just continuously circle back to it because it's been such a glaring weakness for multiple coaches now. And I mean the worrying thing for me is that yesterday Juventus's two best chances came off Jose Callejon turning the ball over and the Napoli defensive third and then Juventus got something you know rather cheap out of it and other than that they finished with one other shot on goal so I mean it it was just you know the same old thing where they've got possession and I mean the possession numbers weren't crazy like they were in the in other games because Napoli had a much better second half than Juventus did but it's just (laughs) it's it as much as I want to be like, okay. They just had three months off, no games. Keep keep things level-headed. It it. I mean, it's frustrating to see that this team is still kind of struggling with the same things that they were struggling with in October. Honestly, and I mean, I I totally get that. You know, the last time we saw them before the break, it was one of their best performances, if not the best performance of the season. But I I I really think Saudi has some thinking to do because there are certain at least lineup choices that need to be figured out because if if these two games have proven anything it's that the the way things are constructed in the midfield right now they just they aren't they aren't working
1: or as one of my favorite characters would say not great bob
0: (laughs) two weeks in a row (laughs) drink
1: that's that's such a classic um, i just couldn't resist it's just uh i don't know deep inside i'm very juvenile as you can see but um but anyway <laughs> i agree with you that you know i mean to me to me it always all boils down to players versus system so are you going to get the players to fit a particular system so you you know you've picked a certain system that's usually determined by the coach so you you know you've picked that system and then you get players to fit that system and then you bench whichever ones don't fit it or sell them even uh or do you just find the best players and you say okay given the best players what is the best like what's the most optimal what's the optimal system that maximizes player performance and maximizes simply you know having all the best players as many of the best players as possible in the uh, starting 11 or the, you know, 11 on the pitch. Uh, That's what it always boils down to me. me. And, you know, that's what I always look for when I'm looking at decisions to sell certain players, to buy certain ones, to retain certain ones, and to, you know, get certain managers or, or ignore certain ones or, you know, kick some out of the club. And yeah, once again, I'm just not really sure of what the state of that is right now with, with Juventus. But I agree with, you know, all of you that, you know, I I personally doubt that we're going to let Sarri go right now before the end of the season. Just as as Sam said, just given the economic shock ca- caused by COVID-19 and just just all the disruption. We're already in such a disruptive time, so... You don't want to add even more (laughs) disruption to it unless truly, 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 truly necessary, which uh, I mean, right now, not you know, I don't think we've reached that point yet, but you know, you never know, never rule out surprises. And can we just, you know, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead here, but you know, can we talk about that penalty shootout? (laughs) Because (laughs) we have (laughs) to, yeah, (laughs) all right. (laughs) I do just have two specific thoughts on that, and then you know I'll you know I'll I'll, I'll set the fire and retreat to a safe distance. Put first, yourself
0: on mute for the rest of the episode. is that yeah, it?
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so first of all, with uh, Danilo's penalty miss, well, his penalty miss, I should say. I swear, whenever I see short run-ups. I have a pet peeve with short run-ups for penalties. I see that stuff, and I'm like, "Oh, this is going to Mars, mate! Like, he's gonna blast this all the way." Uh, I mean, wasn't there recently a SpaceX launch into space? I mean, they probably saw that I, ball fly past them.
3: Yeah, we're definitely gonna need their help
1: getting that one back. Uh, yeah, Elon is uh, Elon is crazy. It's, he's done crazier things, so I'm sure the, you can the, uh,
0: figure the fake, out. the fake fans sure got a souvenir yeah. for. for oh Lord, yeah. yeah,
3: no. The only person I've the only person i've ever seen consistently convert short run-ups like that is abby wambach oh you would always end up she would always do like a one-step run-up but she'd always score in those shootouts with the women's national team
1: no i do i really have a i really have an issue with short run-ups it's just uh, such a
3: long time over that short run-up like it (laughs) took him it took five seconds from the whistle for him to actually get to the ball and he was only two steps away from it
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Well they would say mind games, you know, just keeping attention.
3: Yeah, that the problem with that is that sometimes you game yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, so this is one, you know, short run-ups I don't really like. And uh once again to mention Tim Vickery. Um I remember you you is two already! well I just had a bowl of cereal so I don't know does that count <laughs> no, sorry I just came from a meeting for work I was kind of hungry but I didn't have time to make anything so anyway so while you guys were talking I was like oh, I'll keep talking I'll keep talking because <laughs> I'm chewing <laughs> um, so thank you for you know keeping talking he always mentioned that like there's always something about left-footed penalty takers and I think what he said was like they're slightly more predictable I guess, I forget exactly what he said, but it was, it was something along the lines of like left, left-footed left penalty takers are just, there's just something about them that's more predictable just because of the angles or something. It's something along those lines. But, I mean, in principle, I thought Dybala's penalty wasn't, I mean, it wasn't poorly struck. It was just at like, you know, that commentator's cliche of like at the perfect height for the goalkeeper, which, I mean, it really was. Oh, yeah. You know, it really just was like the perfect height for it. And, I mean, it wasn't softly struck, but it wasn't like, you know, like, you know missile launch uh 99 shot power uh because if you're gonna like like if you're gonna shoot it
3: was when buffon couldn't stop it in the south yeah. The second <laughs>
1: round. exactly yeah because if you if you shoot it you know if it's going to be kind of in the range of the goalkeeper you better shoot it so hard that they don't have reaction time to yeah be able I, to yeah stop
0: it. I'll, I'll play my former goalkeeper card that that's oh, about yes, as, as textbook of a penalty kick as as a as a keeper wants because i mean it's just it, even especially if you read it right it's just you know, it's just right there for you. And you don't, you don't have to extend yourself much. And, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, sure. Moret was just like, yes, (laughs) starting off on a good note.
3: (laughs) On that that note, Danny, did you think that Moret read DiBala there? Or did he just get, get the, get the guess, get the direction right. And, and was lucky enough to have it at his right side.
0: It, it probably is more guessing. I mean, Moret is, is a young keeper. So who knows what his spidey sense in terms of penalties are. And I mean, we, we talk as, as great as Buffon is, and as much as he's impressed us over years, there's always that caveat that, Hey, penalties are his one weakness. So, but I mean, he, he, he was going the right way all the way. So, I mean, it was, it was probably a little, I mean, if it could be a little of both, I, and I know that's kind of a cop out, but, but yeah. I mean, I was never great with penalties either, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. So, but yeah, it was it was a pretty easy save, regardless of if he guessed or if he if he read it the right way all along.
2: Not only that, but I mean, it's such a bummer and such a killer when the first guy misses, and then you get a guy that is significantly—it's not a sure thing of Vanilla lining up because the moment I saw him line up to take the kick, I was like, okay, this is done. It's a wrap. Like he's gonna miss, and now you're. Down two, immediately the series is over, which leads me to my point about uh, I think I mentioned it in my article about Cristiano Ronaldo not shooting. He was, I'm assuming, because we never got to see it, but I'm assuming he was the fifth shooter there fifth, fifth shooter uh, in the shootout. And I'm, I'm reading a book here, I'm, I'm doing chalks on you guys. Is it by Tim Vickery? It is not, but it is called. Uh, <laughs> It is called The Only Rule Is It Has To Work. I don't know if any of you guys read it. It's by Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller. They're two uh, baseball writers. And essentially, they are very, like, data-driven baseball writers. And essentially, they got a shot running a minor league baseball. And the the book's actually really good. And it kind of, like, talks a little bit about the struggles they have, you know, kind of bringing this... uh, data approach and like new age approach to baseball, where there's a lot of players who are really old school, really set in their ways and a chapter is dedicated to the use of the closure. So the closer for those of you who don't really follow baseball is a guy who goes in in the last inning and shuts the game out, shuts the game down. Right. And and their argument was that because he is one of your best pitchers, you should use him whenever like whenever you really need to use a really good pitcher because it doesn't matter if he's available for the last inning if you actually end up losing the game before. And I was oh, I was thinking about that when I saw Ronaldo stay there as the fifth spot shooter, as the closer, if you want to call it that way in the shootout. That is the dumbest thing we do, and it's like a normal thing in football. Just say, oh, yeah, your best shooter goes there. Either either your best shooter goes first or fifth, that's it. That to me is the dumbest thing that we still do in football because how many times do you see a shootout not get to the fifth spot? If you have a guy like Ronaldo who is arguably one of the better penalty takers in the world, why would you wait for the fifth spot to take him if what can happen happened and you lost the game before he even got to take a shot? It's reprehensible especially if you put Danilo in there like is he good is he a good shooter did I miss something is he like really good in the Brazilian national team I mean what was the logic there I mean that that
3: was just a baffling baffling decision to me and and here comes some baseball talk because I've always I I've I've gotten that look no I I've I've heard that argument. black white and
0: baseball all over coming to you next
3: coming to you next uh I I always I've 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 always been a bit more of a traditionalist when it comes to baseball and i've always gotten that closer remark thing is pitchers baseball players and pitchers especially are creatures of habit and they are and that is a part of their psychology you and they always say the hardest three outs are the last three outs and ronaldo i think and this is not an isolated thing for ronaldo ronaldo has always been the guy saying no i'm gonna wait until the very last one And at this point in his career, that's a thing that he's set in his ways with. And I don't know what that would do do with him mentally if he was going to get thrown up, you know, farther up on the fly to get that done. Because, you know, the same thing about closers in baseball the closer goes in and the the main closer stat the save closers tend to pitch worse when there's not a save in play because their mentality is i'm getting this save is that good sure maybe maybe not but at the same time you have to tailor things to the player's mentality and i feel like I feel like moving Ronaldo around there probably could have caused unfortunate results, especially since you already have a guy who is a fairly elite penalty taker and Dibala leading it off frankly, if Dibala makes that penalty, I think Danilo probably would have made it himself. I think Danilo was expecting Dibala to make his, and then when he didn't, that brought put his blood pressure through the roof yeah i mean i I get the analogy there, but it's just what he's always done. And I don't think it was ever going to change. I don't think any manager would get Ronaldo to change that. I,
2: I agree, but also, how much is he making a year? If, you can't, if I can't put you anywhere to make a penalty kick, I mean, just ship him off to MLS already. I mean, I don't care if he's used to it. Like, I get what you're saying, like he's used to it, but Like, I get that. But, I mean, it's a penalty kick, man. I get it. It's different to shoot out pressure but it just sucked to see like arguably your best shooter just like on the bench and we had to sit to Danilo missing miserably and Bonucci almost missing by the way I thought he was gonna miss like he was right there on the edge like it was I,
3: very, I, I really good I think he had that I think he had that more on a handle than we realized. ever since the Confederations Cup in 2013 he's actually been a very good penalty taker for both the national team and for Juve after the you know, nail miss,
2: I was I, kind of hoping he would miss. Just like everyone missed. Let's not get even a goal in the shootout. Like, let's just keep it. Like, we lose four three nail in the shootout.
0: See, see, Sergio was going for just complete chaos. So instead of Ronaldo coming up for the fifth spot, he wanted Blaise Matuidi there. So that's what you don't know.
2: Good. Let's do it. We'll win a it. All off. Blow it all off.
0: Protect your dream home with
2: American Family Insurance.
0: And we will start out from our buddies at Bavarian Football Works, our sister blog that covers German champions, Bayern Munich, who are playing about the opposite of Juventus, have been out of the, re- out of the restart in the Bundesliga. Uh, do you guys secretly love Bayern? And I'm sure they're less stressful watching these days, so sure. Hell I
3: mean, no. They've knocked, <laughs> the times. They've, they've knocked us out the last two times that we've played them, so I have... You no, know, until we manage to, to tame that beast, I'm kind of—I still kind of hold a grudge. Yeah. All
1: like right. I said, my um diplomatic answer is hell <laughs> no. <laughs> I saw no was, for real. I saw this stat one yesterday, and I bookmarked it in my Evernote. FC Bayern celebrate their 30th German championship. They have now won 29 out of 57 titles since the foundation of the Bundesliga in 1963. More than all other clubs combined. Superiority. Yeah, that's by Opta. Opta there. More than anyone. And I remember, of uh, you know, funny because Eurosport came up with this headline, like, Bayern 29, everyone else 28. And first, I was like, ah, funny. Then I read the out, I'm like, oh, no, they're actually serious. <laughs> like, we're, well, I actually meant 30. Uh, or, or sorry, yeah, no, 20. Yeah, yeah, 29. Yeah, sorry, mixed up numbers. But yeah, that was just, I thought that was just remarkable. So, yeah. That's crazy. I don't
2: I don't love them, but you gotta envy them, right? I mean we were talking earlier about, you know, like institutional, you know, organization, like what a model organization looks like. That's what a model organization looks like, like biomunit. You gotta I mean you can't like them because that's like rooting for the janky. like no one wants to do that, but you know, I mean, you gotta admire that. You gotta respect the way they handle things. It's a really well run club, really well run organization.
0: From at and our Soph and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Alexandro. And that's the news of the day. Alexandro coming out of the Copa Italia looks like he'll be missing a couple of weeks after that just brutal tackle. That I don't know how the heck he made it the rest of the game. But anyway, I don't I'd know agree. how
3: he didn't get stretchered off.
0: <laughs> yeah, with Sandro being out for at least you know two or three weeks, it looks like. What do you guys think of? Here we go, possibly through center backs. Probably knowing the health status of of the three, it would be delict. Bonucci and Chiellini right to left.
3: Not going to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not,
0: <he
1: doesn't laughs> agree. I, I
3: hope
0: I hope you liked our detailed answers because no, no.
1: no I I agree there I, I think that's extremely unlikely simply because I think of all of all times to take a risk like that for a new formation especially with when one of the people in that back 3 is A new player who's already been under serious pressure and i mean has still done well you know uh with uh, the licht i i really don't think this is not a time to pull out wild experiments like that i mean okay wild maybe that's a bit of an overstatement but an experiment like that at this time i really don't think that's the time to do that so no I, i i don't see that happening
3: this is a good time to talk about why we have five center backs and three fullbacks on the roster well. That's, a, that, that's a decent I think that's a decent time to discuss something like that
1: this is true that is to say the least highly illogical <laughs> I, truly i i yeah I agree that's extremely extremely i mean it's not sensible, really, and it shows now
0: speaking of roster construction well and and things on this note from our one of our go to twitter questioners. At the true ROAC, do you believe there is a disconnect between the Juve Brass and coaching staff, and how detrimental is it to the success of the team? For example, as much blame as Sari should take for, I assume it, he's talking about the Copa Italia loss, did, did the Juve Brass ever put him in a position to succeed, or did they hinder his ability to win, and why? And kind of an alternative question, as Sam has talked about previously with Paul Pogba, do you get the feel in recent years that Juve, as an organization, has become more concerned with being a popular team and more about the brand over being a great team on the field? And to what degree might they value one over the other? I know that's that's a complicated one, and we're running short on time here, but yeah, um,
3: I I don't think it's just been Saudi that the that the front office has been a bit of a disservice to I mean what were the what was all the talk for years about when it came to Max Allegri he, about him begging for a trequartista from and never getting one you know Roberto Pereira maybe Pjanic was probably supposed to be the Trequartista before Mar, it became clear that Marchisio never was going to be the same again after the knee injury in terms of the the second question I think they're trying to do both I just think they went about it in a flawed manner. I mean, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo is gonna get you curating, but he certainly didn't fit with, I don't think he really, I think in hindsight it's safe to say now, he didn't fit with the roster even last year. And getting him caused other things that should have been prioritized to get delayed. We've been talking ad nauseum about the midfield, but really that's what it's been. It's been just stopgaps on the midfield for years now. And the money that we used to buy and pay him could have given the midfield a new look three times over over the last two, tra- four transfer windows. I think Andrea Agnelli, I'm sorry for being long-winded on this. I think Andrea Agnelli thought that one would lead to the other because he is he's always talked about catching up financially to the Premier League teams and to Real Madrid and Barcelona and Bayern Munich and I think he thought that Ronaldo would be a big stepping stone to that and then there would be that state continue to be that sustained success because they would it would put Juventus into another financial and marketing plane but yeah I don't I don't think it was fully considered what effect that would have on what the product on the field. And I think that's one of the reasons that Pepe Marotta is running into right now, and he's no longer running in Juve.
2: Yeah, I, I agree 100% with what Sam's saying there. I, I think it's coming back to what I mentioned earlier about half measure. That's what they did. They did, did when, once they decided to part away with uh, Max Gregory, it was a half measure. They decided to bring in a system coach, a well known system coach, and then do nothing tailored to tailor the squad for that coach's needs needs so yeah i don't think they really set him up for success to be honest and you can also make the case that well if you need you know if you can't really make your system work with this caliber of players then maybe it's not much of a system at all so you know that's that's an argument that could be made and you know going back to the to the other question i i think i agree with with sam i think once you if you get a chance to bring ronaldo in i think I think they thought, hey, let's do it. I mean, this is a guy who is, you know, a true influencer, you know, not like those those people that have like a thousand followers on Instagram and believe that they're influencers. Like an actual guy that moves people. Like he's one of the most followed people on Instagram. He's one of the most followed brands in the world. And he's also a pretty decent player. So it was a, you know, no-lose situation. It was only that, You know, when you bring Ronaldo, you have to kind of – same thing, you have to kind of tailor your squad around him. And they didn't do that. I mean, Juventus really didn't need Cristiano Ronaldo. Just like from a footballing perspective, they didn't really need him. But they brought him in because of, you know, all the things Sam said. And, you know, he's a good player. He's a really good player. So obviously you bring him in. But, yeah, that was one of those decisions that, in my opinion, was – maybe tailored a little bit more towards you know becoming a brand and becoming kind of like a, a real yeah a real world brand and really really a footballing decision aimed. Think.
1: yeah and since we're uh, running out of time here i'll just leave us of course with a quote to bring it all full circle there was one that i used in my book i forget by who it is it was michael something I forget, but he said the pleasure of sports has been diminished by its commerciality. So I'll leave it with that.
3: Yeah. I really do think that Andre Agnelli believes that the commercial will lead to the financial. I just think he miscalculated in this instance on just how quick that would be.
0: We'll uh, wrap things up there. Next time we come to you guys, it will be after a actual league game. And that's, something we haven't been able to say in almost four months now. So uh, hooray, hooray, Sedia is back. And who knows if it's better than ever. We'll have to wait and see. So as always, you can listen to us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, like, right there. We're also available on Spotify and Google Podcasts. For Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying.